Had a little medical emergency ourselves in my family today. My, involved my dog who uh, got a stick in her eye and it had to be surgically removed. She's now on antibiotics, has the cone of shame and uh, also a little pain medication. Anyway, she's getting lots of love and attention. I hope you are too. Um, we've got lots to talk about in the second hour of the Sunday night health show. I'm uh, going to be talking about dreams and what do they actually mean? I mean, I have to be honest, when somebody says they want to tell me about their dream, I just think, oh, I'd rather go to a rock fight. Anyway, um, also, I do feel it's important to educate you about how to administer naloxone. I did mention that they're going to be on college campuses. And also, when is the best time to take your blood pressure medication. The results are in. But um, I want to talk in this half hour, and I have a very special guest coming on very shortly, uh, just about women and careers. And when you go from an illustrious career and transition into, you know, another, um, maybe even having to, um, you know, change everything about your career, you know, a, a makeover, so to speak, in one's career. But, um, but first and foremost, I want to talk about how for decades we have been failing to recognize ADHD or attention deficit hyperactivity in girls. And that has created what some people refer to as a lost generation of women. And as you send your daughters back to school, consider the fact that girls are closing one gender gap that we don't really want to. And that is the diagnosis of ADHD. Between 2003 and 2011, parents reported an increase of ADHD diagnoses of 55% of girls compared to 40% for boys. This is on the, uh, the way up the diagnosis in part because, uh, it was difficult to diagnose because, um, most of the diagnosis was geared toward, or the most of the research was geared toward white boys and the diagnosis had to be made before the age of seven. And so girls tend to develop ADHD later than boys and, and girls have a, a different symptoms. It's much harder to recognize in girls. Um, girls have, um, more, more so they don't have the hyperactivity. They, they more so have the inattention. They have a tendency toward daydreaming. They have difficulty following instructions and they make careless mistakes on homework and tests. ADHD is a chronic neurobiological disorder that affects the brain structurally and chemically. And it also affects the ways in which various parts of the brain communicate with one another. And it's highly heritable. There are treatments for it, uh, medication, and also counseling and other conservative strategies. Um, this leads to a lot of depression and anxiety in girls, especially when they have um, not been diagnosed or the failure has been to properly diagnose the condition. And girls miss out on critical academic services and accommodations and therapy and medication. And, you know, it's not that all kids are diagnosed or people are diagnosed when they're children. Oftentimes women are diagnosed often at the peak of their career or when they're trying to manage kids in the house and, and working outside of the home. And it's just all too overwhelming for them. And so they, although it's a blessing to be diagnosed, it can also be a curse because a lot of women think, what did I miss out on? So just a little education about that. If your girls are having struggles in school, um, daydreaming, that kind of thing, you know, look into it. Um, at least ask for it to be considered as part of the differential diagnosis. Anyway, we're going to shift gears right now, but stay a little bit on the focus of women. 
um, and women in careers. If you, um, this week, if you've watched the U.S. Open at all, you saw that uh, an icon, Serena Williams, and, and basically a queen, um, was said she was evolving away from tennis. And um, which means, you know, what is she going to do now? Because at 42, um, you know, I mean, I'm considering going into tennis. I watched a fair bit of tennis this week. I feel like my game has improved. I've, I bought a new racket. <laughs> anyway, I've played, I've increased my play as well. And, um, and so it's been fabulous, but no, I, I'm kidding, of course. And um, because I don't know much about this subject, uh, that is why I have invited my next guest, Dr. Tomi Mitchell. You've heard her voice before. She's a medical doctor in wellness and performance. She empowers lawyers, doctors, and other professionals to reduce burnout and overwhelm so that they can increase productivity in the workplace. And I've asked her to join me, and she's on the line so we can talk about when women need to shift gears in their careers. Good evening, Dr. Mitchell. How are you? I am fabulous. Good evening to you, too. Wonderful. Thanks so much for joining me. Um, don't know if you watched uh, some tennis this week, but it was I pretty did. exciting. Too bad that she, Serena lost in the third round. Um, anyway, on Friday night, I think it was. But anyhow, um, you know, this is a powerful woman, to say the least. This is a woman who's been in the spotlight for a long time. This is a woman who is really at the pinnacle of her career, but, and, and probably for somebody like Serena, it's going to be easy to transition into just about anything she wants to do. Um, but, but for women who find themselves midpoint in their career or something happens, um, whatever they find that they need to actually shift gears or, or shift their career. Um, what are some of the issues and, and how best is it for women to go down that path? That's a really good question. Um, each woman's journey is can be different, though there can be similarities. First, you have to, you know, give yourself that grace, that self-compassion, and allow yourself to be human and say, okay, I need a change in my life. I have these nudges, these urges, intuition that have been, you know, telling me for X period of time that I need to change. And that is okay, right? A lot of times, women, we are so wired to be, like, quote-unquote, loyal, Right. And we stay in a position mm -hmm. that we may not particularly <laughs> enjoy. Right. And we just continue yes. doing it. And um, we have like FOMO, like you start realizing, oh, my goodness, I'm missing out, you know, but then you can feel guilty. Right. So mm -hmm. accepting that you are allowed to make changes, you are not defined by the job, the career that you are in. That is huge for any high performing individual. Very interesting. You're, you are not defined by the career or the job that you're in. And, and, and I love that you said we are loyal. We have a tendency to be loyal. And so oftentimes women may choose to stay with a company because they like the company, for example, versus go for the money, <laughs> which yeah. might be a wiser decision for a lot of women since other things can come into play and affect a woman's career as well, like ageism, which we're going to talk about shortly, and lookism. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how, uh, you know, what do you think Serena or somebody like Serena is going through difficult to go into the minds of somebody, but somebody who has been in the spotlight for such a long time has made this a career, but, but I think obviously has other priorities. Now she has a young child. She wants to be there 
for her. Yeah. What do you think some of the thoughts are um, going through her head right now? And and do you think this is going to be easy or are there going to be some challenges there? Yeah. You know, she recently had an article in Vogue and she really bared it all, which I was quite impressed and surprised that she shared mm-hmm. so much information. So she's, you know, she's turning 41 end of this month. Her daughter just turned five. Actually, my daughter and her share the same birthday, just turned five September the 1st. Wow. And she's like, her daughter wants, just daughter, what do you want? And her daughter's biggest wish is to be a big sister. And that is gnawing mm. on her. And the daughter's five years old. And, you know, in the article, she mentioned how her and her husband, who was very supportive, um, went to the doctor this past year to make sure that they were okay to start trying another family. Now, she mentioned another point. When she was uh, pregnant with her first, she was two months pregnant in 2017. And no one really knew mm-hmm. she was pregnant. And there's some sense of regret that she didn't get to enjoy it as she would have loved to do it. But at the same time, she was torn because she loved tennis so much. But she realized in order to satisfy the dream to be, you know, the mother she wants to be and grow her family, she's going to have to let go of tennis, at least now. Who knows? You never know what will happen down the road. You know, she's the greatest of all time as far as tennis. She could come back. Who knows? But right now Uh she's like, okay, I have a time limit. I love my family. I want to grow it. I need to put my all in. So that was her take. And I was surprised, but not really surprised as a woman and someone who's also made that change in her career. Dr. Tommy Mitchell is my guest. We are talking about ageism for women and lookism. Uh, Dr. Mitchell, thanks so much for staying on the line. Um, What exactly is lookism? Yeah, lookism is a way we judge other people based on their youthful appearance. Right. The youthful, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, you know, full cheeks, the nice jawline, the slim waist for a woman, you know, those boyish good looks for a guy. That's how we're judged. So it's a really a challenge for individuals who perhaps don't meet the quote unquote standard, because, again, they're often judged negatively based on this. And it goes and, you know, it ties with ageism as well. And gender ageism is that intersectionality of age and gender bias. And this is a growing concern for professional women. And um, according to a recent survey um, that was done with Catherine Lindner of Outwit Inc. um, revealed that gender ageism was real and that women started to feel uh, this gender ageism starting at age 35, which was surprising to me. Yes. I was surprised too. I was surprised it was that young, frankly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A a third of all respondents of the 729 in the survey felt they could not get a job or interview because of their age. And and the age here was um, 29, I think it was, to 72. Um, And so 33% felt they couldn't get a, a job or an interview because of their age. And, and the most common experiences were feeling opinions were ignored and seeing younger colleagues get attention. 42% felt that and not being invited to key meetings, 35%. I mean, it sounds like ageism is rampant and only getting worse. Is this what you're 
um, seeing in your practice? Definitely is. It's interesting you mentioned the practice because my practice is split into um, like traditional medicine as well as aesthetic medicine. So I actually see clients that come to me because they want a fresh look. You know, they're not quite sure what they want, but they feel like they look old or, you know, they're looking for that job promotion or they're newly single. So this is a conversation I actually have quite often um, with my clients. And it is quite common. Um, A lot of older women, because 80% of my clients are women, they do feel like they're not how they should be. They do feel judged. And, Mm -hmm. you know, right. And that's, and that's real. And I, and I get that we have to validate their feelings, but I think part of this thing is understanding what, what is really the root cause of this ageism? Like, what is it? You know, because I'm seeing there's lots of stereotypes with older individuals. People think that they're not willing to learn, right? Or they're too expensive or they're stuck in their Mm -hmm. ways, right? So really Mm -hmm. kind of dismantling that. And that's for each person to do their best to shine. Hopefully they're in a company that, you know, is very strong with DEI. But that's kind of my take, you know, beauty, ageism, I think, if you look from the inside and then you pour out, I think you'll get better results. That that genuineness, you can't fix, you can't repair that. You can't fix that. You can't fake it. Absolutely. And you can't underestimate the experience that older yes. workers um, in the workplace have. But, you know, when we have gendered ageism, it affects women's job security and ultimately their financial viability. And so, you know, it actually has such a negative impact on you know, the economy basically, and, yeah. and also on, on, on healthcare and, and social programs and that kind of thing. When it's just literally based on how somebody looks because, yeah. and, and it's not just somebody who is in their sixties or seventies, we're talking 30 to 35 to 40 year olds felt that, um, 70, first of all, 77% of those under 35, according to the study, reported the negative impact of gendered ageism. 77% of those under 35. And at starting at age 35, women begin to experience gendered ageism. And with 60% of those between 35 to 40 reporting the experience, are you seeing women in your clinical practice who are between the ages of 35 and 40 who are wanting a fresher look? Yes, 100%. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. But that goes along with this with this survey. Um, it's it's just shocking. I know that uh, women in their twenties are getting Botox and fillers and and that kind of thing, and and feeling that that's going to prevent that aging process. I mean, eventually we're going to have a hundred percent of sixty and seventy year olds running the workplaces, but they look twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> but they feel it. <laughs> exactly, Doctor Mitchell. Thank you so much for joining me on the program. Once again, it's always a pleasure to have you. 